Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. I'm Nathan Bear, and uh, with us as always, Mr. Michael Kelly. Hi. <laughs> hey, what's up? Today we are going to talk about Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. The, uh, oh my god, we had such a good thing going on last time, I fell in love with you all over again, and now you took a shit in my love seat. Why? Uh, I mean, clearly this film was directed by David Hasselboff because they fucking boffed it on this one. Um, listen, I like the idea of bringing back the Meg- Megalon or Meg- Megalulon or whatever they're called from Rodan and having those fight Godzilla. I think that's a cool idea. Obviously, the monster needed to be upgraded. But there's a difference between upgrading a classic Toho, like Showa-era monster and just shamelessly trying to revamp Batara. Yeah. You know, and calling it a different monster. Yeah. It's like, it's clearly just Batra again. You know, it's super obviously. Um, I mean, they changed the shape of his mouth a little bit, mm-hmm. and he has a stinger now. And on some occasions, his wings do move, uh, causing the illusion of flight. Mm-hmm. But um, it's Batara. It's just Batara again. The, the the one saving grace of this movie is the the ideas are really interesting. Well, just the idea of the Dimension Tide, mm-hmm. which is the black hole gun. That's really cool, and I wish more could have been done with it. I wish that machine would have stuck around for a few more movies or whatever. Its execution is kind of bad, but like, I don't know. Just, it does seem like a step backwards from, from Godzilla 2000 as far as cool characters, stuff you're excited about, and, and just having just these lulls that go on for like 30 minutes where literally yeah. nothing happens. For me, I think the saving grace is the score, which is later more appropriately used in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, directed by... The same director as this film. Uh, yes, I guess it's not David Hasselboff. It's uh, Masuaki Tezuko. And then the music was by Michiro Oshima. Yeah. And the, the, the thing, the, another thing, so I guess there's two cool things. The, the black hole gun is neat, and the theme from this movie is carried over into yeah. the, the rest of the Millennium series or a few other films from the Millennium series. I think GMK completely disregards it and uh, Final Wars is on its own different planet. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the yeah, it does introduce... And that is a cool theme. Yeah. It's a good theme. It's the first really solid, good theme we've had since, like, Godzilla versus Hedorah. You know, yeah. or, like, alternative non-Fukubei theme. Um, well, actually, this is a lot of stuff in, in 1985 was really cool. But, like, it, it's certainly better than a lot of the stuff from the High Side series as far as, like, new themes you can latch on to. And, yeah, and it definitely, it, it sticks with the character. Yeah. It's like, you can listen more to that appropriate. and think Godzilla. Right. Just oh, yeah, like yeah. when you hear If a Bouquet's, you think Godzilla. Yes. You, you, that's, you're exactly correct. Like, it's, because there was other good pieces of music in those other films, but... Um, it didn't scream Godzilla. Like, it got the tone all wrong. This honors the instrumentation and, and some of the, you know, the the feel of some of those pieces while in and of itself being a new piece. And and that's that's exactly what you need to do. 
Yeah. Um, the movie, on the other hand, does not do that. It seems to be more of a cluster of the seeds of what is to come are there. Unfortunately, the seeds are bunched together, and uh, those of you who are into, you know, uh, what is it, uh, planting? I know there's a, a better word for that, but... Uh, Horticulture? Something like that. Uh, herbology. There. Uh, okay. <laughs> there. Herbology. <laughs> Those of you who are into putting seeds into the ground will know that, uh, you know, certain plants, you know... If they, you, make, they, they need they, they need space. A little time. Yeah. yeah. They, they need a little time to, to grow. Germinate. Yeah. Germinate. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is clearly uh, rushed, uh, clearly added too much of that food growth hormone or <laughs> whatever. Um, so basically yeah. all these great ideas are there, but they're so close together. They're so bunched together in this film that they're choking each other out. Yeah. So the idea of the female protagonist who has, who it, it is her fault that someone has died. That is here. Uh, the alternative history of Japan is here. But these are not played out well in this movie. They are better played out in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Yeah. So the seeds are here, but they are better germinated two films later. Right. Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. This is almost like the trial run right. for that story, and they didn't quite get it right. Mm -hmm. And then they just do it again in two movies, which is... I don't know. It's like a, <clears throat> a lot of times in a long-running film series, you'll see similar themes uh, yeah. mirroring one another. Uh, like the James Bond films, you know, you'll get basically every Bond villain, they're all different, but they're all the same. You yeah. Know? And they always want to like, whatever, take over the world or destroy it. Um, <clears throat> but this is far more blatant because this yeah. is, is really, really, it's absolutely transparent. It's like, it's like 50 pages of the script is like com just remade two years later. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like what? Uh, uh, Thunderball and uh, Never Say Never Again. Yeah. I but, mean, they changed the names. Yeah. They, they have better special effects. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it works really well in uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. But in this film, uh, and it's not, you know, the movie isn't a total failure or anything certainly better than, than most of the films in the, the high size series and some of the films in the 70s yeah um but it's you know i fell asleep for a half an hour in the middle of it I, uh... <laughs> and uh that's that's never good no <laughs> um let's a little little backstory uh it was released uh november 3rd in the year 2000 in japan and it ended up grossing ten million dollars, uh, you know, U.S. adjusted. I'm not sure what the yen equivalent is, but like the budget was eight million dollars, so it only made about two million dollars for the studio. So this is the second film in the revamp series, and you're already started getting off to a shaky start. And I think this was right before dramatic retooling started happening, where they were like, because I think there had been a sort of stagnation in the, in the high size series as far as like, Oh, let's just get the same two directors and let's just like do the same thing. And everyone's asleep at the wheel. And let's just, this thing is the momentum is self generating. We don't need to try anymore. Yeah. Autopilot. Autopilot. That's right. And you could feel 
the sense of autopilot kicking in in this movie where it's just like, okay, but what, we're making Godzilla movies again? All right, okay, we'll get this going and we'll have the, these characters and they'll say this shit for no reason. This shit will happen and then a monster will pop up. Eh, all right, let's get it over with. And and immediately after this film, you can hear the series screeching to a halt and someone just being like, no, <laughs> we're not doing this again. If we're going to continue making new films, they're gonna there's going to be a reason for it, you know, because yeah. we've already made uh, 21 of them. Yeah. So you know, let's. So this this movie, you you can sort of see the the Millennium series kind of going off the cliff <laughs> a little bit, and then it sort of catches itself just in time. Yeah. The Godzilla suit itself is the same suit from Godzilla 2000. Yeah. Uh, still pretty badass, and uh, it's loved enough that even though in the next film it's replaced, the same suit, or at least the same style of suit, comes back in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Yeah. So it, it it's like, it's so good looking. And even though this, the one that comes after it is still really good looking, they go back to this. Right. Just because it's, it's still that good. Yeah, which I think is the first time they've ever gone back. Yeah. I, I did want to mention that some of the jerkiness and some of the campiness starts to rework its way back in, especially yeah. during like the final fight. Right, where Godzilla's like shaking his yeah, head, yeah, almost like of, a cartoon. Character. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he, like, he gets dazed and he yeah, shakes it off. And it's like, in, in, there were moments in the seventies where you could kind of get away with that. Where like in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, for example, where Godzilla misses Mechagodzilla and kind of like snaps his fingers, like oh darn. Right. Uh, but then, of course, Mechagodzilla hits him and he immediately starts spewing blood everywhere. Right. So there's <laughs> kind of a odd juxtaposition there, but. You know, it, you could kind of get away with that then. Right. Now it doesn't really work, at least with the tone that's been set up right. for this film at the beginning. Which is stern. Yeah. Uh, this is, like, every character in this movie is like Qui-Gon Jinn. It's yeah. Just stern, stoic, and serious, and like... Uh, some of the... Just from the filming techniques used, I think that... Uh, Tezuka was trying to have it be like Megaguru's vision or whatever, because you kind of see Godzilla and he's got there's a, the shutter rate, as mm -hmm. it were, uh, has been adjusted very lower. So the, there's it's it's more like just a series of pictures of Godzilla. It yeah. looks very much like a Third Eye Blind music video from 1996 <laughs> or something. You know, it's just all of a sudden it's just like what? Like it's the fakest worst thing that has ever been in a Godzilla mm. movie, with of course the exception of Godzilla raids again, yeah. uh, when uh, he's uh, you know standing in that the iceberg yeah. at the end when it's clearly just like a mannequin with a Godzilla suit on. Obviously, it's not worse than that. That's far worse, yeah. far worse film. <laughs> However, you know, in the mod certainly in the modern era, this is the fakest it's ever looked. Mm. Um, again, that's for the shutter speed when when they're trying to simulate Megaguirus vision and it happens mm -hmm. a few times and every time it happens it's extremely jarring and rips you out of the movie yeah i feel like the camera work it got stagnant again yeah and that's where what bugged me like it, it just felt this is high sci camera work yeah whereas it, with godzilla 2000 you know wide angle lenses different ways of getting the coverage you know it just it, it really felt alive this is energetic right and you know 60s 70s and even 50s you know i mean the film the, this whole series started out with a movie that shot like a documentary or at least what in the 50s was considered documentary right you know so if you look at godzilla and watch like uh, Visca uh not visconti uh the the bicycle thief 
you can kind of see this whole, like, these are two different genres of film, both shot in this documentary style. It's made to look real, or as real as possible within that time. Um, so with this, this becomes, once again, like the 90s, very stagnant, you know, beautiful camera work, but it's just very serious. This is very serious, right. you know, uh, something you'd expect more from a, I don't know, a, I want to say Bond, but I think like Bond still has Bond a little bit still more has life. fun. Yeah. This is like a, a drama. Bond smiles every once in a while. <laughs> the main character, Kiriko, uh, she, her, she's just a one note. You know, yeah. it's just a flat performance. And it's not, you know, she's she's upset because Godzilla killed her general or yeah. whatever. That's the entire character. There's but, no arc. Yeah. There's nothing. And the fact that she doesn't, it doesn't seem like she actually blames herself, which in this case, she <laughs> is at fault. Now, in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, which I, I hate to... Don't compare don't, the two now. Well, don't dirty that film. By no, 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 no. But I mean to say that it has a similar story, but it takes the fact that oh, somebody died because of me. I need to, right. you know, the, you know, I. I've, it takes the, the mistakes of this film and corrects them. Yeah, basically. But and it takes stakes that were not raised in this film, you know, and character development, you know. Yeah, my, my partner was just killed because of my negligence. That doesn't seem to come up. It's just, oh, I'm going to take his dog tag and remember him as right. who he was. It doesn't seem like she ever feels guilt for not pulling out when he ordered her to pull out at the risk of his own life. Right. You know, it's just like, yeah, that was our commander. He was killed by Godzilla. We <sighs> hope to avenge him. Yes. You know, it, it just doesn't... the That concept just doesn't come into play you know it's because it, it's not a very good movie die dimension tide nutzt das black hole als waffe wir locken godzilla auf die unbewohnte insel kiganjima wenn er dort landet eliminieren wir ihn mega gears Die Mega-Nula wählen einen aus dem Schwarm aus und verhelfen ihm zur Riesengröße. Das ist ein Mega-Giras. Wir eliminieren Godzilla samt dem Mega-Giras. Das ist meine Aufgabe. Schlimmste Kampf auf Leben und Tod, den die Erde hieß. Godzilla vs. Mega Giras. Mission Eliminierung G. Godzilla verschwindet. The plot begins to unfurl in a series of ill-advised resets of continuity and reimaginings of the events of the original Godzilla films. Um, basically a, a, a reset on the whole show, a series, the first <clears throat> series of images, actually the beginning of the movie is pretty interesting because it's, it starts off with a, like a newsreel of 1954 Tokyo, the original Godzilla attack, although right. they very, 
sort of craftily, I guess, it basically works. They put in the Millennium Godzilla into actual footage of the original Godzilla. Yeah. So it's actual framings and shots from Godzilla, and then Millennium Godzilla is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they don't talk about the Oxygen Destroyer at all. They, they completely, you know, Sirizawa didn't kill Godzilla. He just, he attacked uh, Tokyo and then left. Yeah. And then he came back and he attacked Toki in 1966 uh, to attack a nuclear power plant. And then there's some, the point is that he's attacked three times. And every time it's for some sort of energy power plant type place. Yeah. So uh, in, in this futuristic Japan that looks exactly like Regular, Japan yeah, in yeah. 2000, <laughs> in the year 2000. Right. And, and the capital, right? Yeah. They and moved the, the capital. And they moved the, they, they, they superimposed the diet over Osaka because apparently that's where the new capital is. That really doesn't pay any There's, significance into so the plot. It's so unnecessary. It's like, <laughs> some, maybe if this was a novel, it might work. It might work to it's, set the tone, right. but this does not work and it just adds a layer to the story that just does not... It just... It doesn't make... It's, it's not necessary. necessary. Like, it's like at the beginning of Independence Day, if they would have been like, oh, yeah, and the United States Capitol is in Delaware for no reason, and now we're not going to talk about it again, let alone go to the Capitol, which yeah. they don't go to the Capitol at any point. So yeah. it's like, what is happening? Yeah. Godzilla doesn't destroy the new Osaka diet. Right. You know, it, it just... <laughs> not necessary. Yeah. So, um, we... The, the, the story itself seems to begin in 19... 19- 96 when Godzilla actually attacks Osaka because they start using what plasma energy new plasma energy yeah. that's right so apparently in in this future they can only use like natural like uh, water and wind yeah. to power everything they've you know nuclear he's attracted to nuclear he's attracted to I guess whatever he was attracted to in 1954 and now apparently he's attracted to plasma energy. You can hear our eyes rolling from here. Uh, the, so, apparently there's plasma energy in Osaka, so he comes to attack, and the uh, Japanese Defense Force decides to send a crack team of bazooka men to take yeah. down the giant behemoth. When you're making a film, it's important. Um, you're Basically, you're telling a story. I feel as though they've failed in this opening sequence to tell the story of what the fuck they were trying to accomplish with this assault. You have a squad. You have yeah. one squad of troops. Now, each one of them has a bazooka, which, you know, we've established that Godzilla is so impervious to all type of military attack that later on in the film, they have to use a fucking black hole gun on yeah. him. <laughs> but here in 1996, they're still using, like, single troops with bazookas? Yeah. And, and like, why are they there? Why are they attacking, like, during that point of his assault... Are they trying to divert him away from the power source? Are they trying to lure him away? If so, they never say that verbally. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a, a suicide mission. It's just mm-hmm. like, let's just all run out and find Godzilla and shoot him with bazookas. Yeah. Until it, he kills one of us, you know? Yeah. It makes no sense. It doesn't. Like, in Biolanti, there was, you know, as much as we've trashed on that movie, there was a reason why those bazooka men were there. It's because they had special bacteria, you know, Godzilla eating bacteria in those bazookas. It was, in a sense, a suicide mission, but with an actual purpose. Like, we believe this bacteria will 
kill Godzilla through the inside out. Well, that's correct, Nate. And as I have gone on record several times, the diamond in the rough, the one good part of Biollante is Lieutenant Gondo. And he was part of that bazooka barrage in that movie. And that was cool because you're absolutely correct. You had a purpose. You knew what was happening. You understood like point A, point B, point C. This is just random military people with bazookas. Like, that... Yeah, and, and like in the American dub, it's just like, don't forget, he's still an animal. Aim for the knees and he'll crumble. You know, right. it's just like, what the hell are they thinking? Oh, yeah, uh, who are you fooling? This is like, no, you are going to die. We can see this. Oh. So anyways, Kuriko, uh, um, she disobeys a direct order from her commanding officer, resulting in his murder via Godzilla rubble. Um, Godzilla pushes a building over on him, <laughs> and she, in slow motion, for her to be like, no! And she, she picks up his, uh, dog tag. I guess Godzilla leaves, or yeah. whatever, immediately after the amount of rubble. Uh, that was anyways, just the right amount destruction. Yeah, it's just the right amount, yeah, just to, like, because she's standing right next to him, so, like, rubble crushes him, she's fine, and then Godzilla turns around and leaves, even though she just fires, uh, like, a rocket into his eyeball. I guess he, like, forgot about it or whatever. Makes no sense. And then, so he leaves, and she's, no! And she picks up the uh, the dog tags. And uh, then it's to, the, like, it jumps ahead to the Akibara district of Tokyo in the year 2000, I believe, or 2001. Yeah. And, um... And she is not punished for this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she, she is not punished. In fact, it seems like she is promoted. You know, I mean... I guess, like, she, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, she is she's doing determined. very well. Yes. Yeah, well. She's the head of the Dimension Tide project. Yeah. So, like, she's been rewarded. You rewarded know? for, I mean, the, the, I guess there are some times when people disobeying a direct order have come out on top, but this did not lead to anything positive. I think she like, should have been taken to a futuristic military prison island like the Ray Liotta actioner No Escape. <laughs> Because uh, then we wouldn't have to watch her for the rest of this movie. Anyways, the uh, right the the point is is that one of my favorite scenes really. Uh, she, so we're in the Akibara district in Tokyo, which for those who are not in the know, that's like the technology uh, district. There's a lot of um, electronics, uh, like sales store, like just every store is either selling like video game consoles or is actually an arcade Mm -hmm. or like it's, there's a lot of technology. It's like the technological epicenter of Japan. And this is in Tokyo, correct? That is in, yes, it is in Tokyo. It is a, it is a district in Tokyo. And this is where we find our hero of the film or, or the man who reprograms the dimension tide to work. I don't know his name, and I didn't write down the actor playing him. The point is, he has longish hair. We'll say he's a. Yeah. Well, he, he's the other, he's the other character who is not Kiriko. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> long-haired techno dude, and there's this. See, he's in, we're introduced to him as he he is performing a magic trick in front of kids. He puts the ingredients to create curry rice and a spoon under a bowl, all then, separate from each yeah, other. Yeah, all separate by from like each other. Three inches. Yeah. Now he puts a construction he, helmet. Yeah. Over, over these items. And then he takes it off, and voila, it's mixed together, and it's put on... Um, and it's cooked. Yeah, and it's cooked. <laughs> and, and, it, sho- and it's put yeah. on perfectly. On a spoon. and The he, kids are mystified. Yeah. And then the what, major, what's her name? Uh, uh, Kiriko. Kiriko comes in and flips the bowl over, shows the fact that they are 
Actually, it wasn't magic. It was tiny robots and a microwave inside. So, of course, the kids think, oh, that's dumb. And I remember uh, one of the websites uh, that is now long gone, Tokyo Monsters, made a joke about this. The fact that the kids were like, oh, you mean it wasn't magic? It was little robots? Oh, well, that's dumb. Let's go away. You Nathan, know? Nathan, I could do the entire podcast just on this one scene. Yeah. Okay, so he lifts the helmet up. Yeah. The curry rice has been prepared and is on the spoon, magically. Kiriko waltzes into this place like she fucking owns the place. She's never met any of these people yeah. before. By the way, she's never seen this demonstration before, okay? <laughs> she nonchalantly looks over at the helmet. I don't think she was even there for the first part of the presentation. And she's like, there's a microwave and small robots inside the helmet. And sure enough, they flip it over, and there is a microwave and tiny robots that I guess have put together this curry rice on this spoon like this. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. If this is, the, you know, if this is correct, and yeah. she's correct, like she guesses it, then it's just like... First of all, her guess sounds insane. Yeah. Like, to just a person on the street, like, to come in and just look at that and surmise that, that, would, that sounds like something a crazy person would say. The yeah. fact that she's exactly correct is also insane. The fact that this guy has made these little robots that can move these ingredients is one of the greatest scientific breakthroughs in the history of mankind. And we shouldn't be mean to this guy. This, we should be, this guy should be a head engineer at, like, you know, some very important technological firm in Tokyo. What I'm trying to say is this is how Batman villains get created, okay? Someone comes and says, oh, you're incredible, miraculous invention? That's stupid, you know? <laughs> and then they're like, I'm going to make Bruce Wayne pay for this, you know? Like, yeah. that's how it starts, you know? But it, it said no. And, 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 then, and then the, the kids, kids walk away! And the kids walk away! It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? If I saw that <laughs> like, as a kid, I, I would, my mind, head would explode. Mind blown! Mind <laughs> fucking blown! Right? But no, it's just like, oh, that's techno that's not magic. That's right. technology. Right. Let's go home. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. So this just infuriates the plot even more. I mean, just... Like, this is when you're introducing her character and his character, and it's just, like, immediately so not, all reality is just so, like, oh, so I, can't, not, I don't care about anything that's happening. Not has she not been punished... I completely side off. She, she, <laughs> she is now at a position of power where she can just waltz in, basically threaten, you know, people to join her cause to kill Godzilla, right. which really, I mean, you almost can't blame Godzilla for her boss's death. It right. was her negligence. Godzilla right. is just an animal. I don't know why she's not in jail. Yeah. On the I aforementioned mean, prison island. It, it would be like if you were at a zoo. If you worked at a zoo, you were with your boss, <laughs> and you threw a steak onto your, your boss's shirt. It stuck to it. And the lion jumped on your boss. You know? It's like, you can't That's blame your the fault. lion. That's your fault. You murdered him via lion. That was and the then weapon, was you, the lion. But and then you they the make murderer. you head of the zoo. Yeah. That's, you're like, we know exactly what to do with people like you. Oh, God. Give them a promotion. That's, it's... Uh, so, she, I guess, hypnotizes him by the fact that she guesses this, this again, technological miracle that he has performed here. And... So he's like, okay, I guess I'll join your group. Even though he has no idea who they are, where he's going, what he'll be expected to do. 
He doesn't even know her fucking name. Yeah. All right? She never even introduces herself. She's just like, come on, asshole. Let's go. You know? It's just like... So, okay. They get to the lab or whatever. Yeah, where people, interns are pointing at computers and, you know, making science-y things happen. And uh, 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 then and, what happens? Well, they're just like, oh... Okay, and they're like, oh, by the way, we invented a, you know what, we've noticed something that, you know, sending wave after wave of tanks and planes (laughs) and explosives, napalm, electricity, uh, dropping other monsters on him uh, against Godzilla doesn't work. So, fuck it, we're just going to invent a black hole gun and, and shoot a black hole at him and suck him into a different dimension. Yeah. And then we won't have to deal with them anymore, and that's how we'll get them. And, you know, it's a black hole gun. And all that happens is they tell it to this guy, the guy with the long hair, and he's like, that's amazing. And then, like, they move on immediately. Yeah. And then... he's not. He doesn't start crying because this is the most incredible discovery in the history of mankind, as he should. Yeah. You know, he doesn't immediately run out to the news network, and this isn't international news, like the head, you know, like, this is the most, they made a black hole gun, you know, that's it, that's like time travel or something, that's like, you know, it's incredible, it's absolutely amazing, and everyone is just acting like it's run of the mill. Yeah, and not (laughs) only that, but there doesn't seem to be, and while we we do see later in the film there are consequences to this gun unlike in the first Godzilla movie where Dr. Serizawa want you know is worried that he has discovered something so horrible if the rest of the world finds out it could mean more doom and destruction that is already present in the nuclear age right so, but none of that occurs to anybody. Oh, they it's are just so like, irresponsible. And it's they just like, so, black hole gun, they are consequences so, be damned. Right, like, they are completely, criminally, insanely negligent <laughs> with this black hole gun, okay? Like, you made a fucking black hole gun, okay? And they shoot it. They Okay, so, like, the guy's on board for yeah. whatever, because he's a computer programmer, so he can make the dimension tide, which is what they call the black hole gun, work. So they have... This they set up a test firing rage where they get this uh, abandoned Motel Eight in I don't know, fucking Hokkaido or something, Someplace. some some sort of rural area, and uh, they they test fire it the the black hole gun it shoots a black hole at this building sucks it all up, and they're like well this is you know the greatest achievement in the history of mankind yeah um. Let's let's not really celebrate. Let's pack up and let's let's take up all the gear, and uh, you know let's go back to home base and uh, you know maybe have a you know a beer or something and uh, that'll be it. We'll call it a day. Uh, oh, excuse me, sir. There seems to be residual terrors in space time around where the black hole hit. Do you think maybe I don't know? We should keep a team of like five guys around to study it for just like twenty four hours or at least until it goes away. Ah, no, I'm sure everything will work itself out. It'll go away eventually. After all, no one's ever done this before. We have no record or data of any kind to prove that this is going to go away. So why not just leave it? You know, I'm sure no one will fall into it or no hideous Godzilla-sized monsters will tumble out of it. It'll be fine. When they first tested the atomic bomb, and this is real life, they actually thought there was actually a variable uh, on the table that this bomb could suck up all the oxygen... In the world. That right. was, like, actually a concern. 
when they were testing this bomb, they tested it anyways because, right. you know, government money. But, uh, <laughs> can't give that up. Right. But, uh, but, you know, th- this seems to be, again, consequence free. This whole movie right. is about every, you know, consequences be damned. Uh, so they, we, they they have these amazing elements and and, and they do nothing with them. Yeah. They fail one hundred percent. It's like oh well, we've got the thing about the black hole gun and shit. But that's really just to get Megaguirus in there. So and who fucking cares about the black hole? Yeah, just push the side. Oh, yeah. No, no, that should be the fucking movie <laughs> right then, there. Then they shoo in this kid who happens to have a bug collection, right? To conveniently wind up there, <laughs> and instead of like you know, as dark as this sounds, instead of like keeping him prisoner or something like that right. to keep him from talking for at least a little while. In real life, bolt in the head. Yeah. For that <laughs> but it's just like, now you promise you won't tell anybody, <laughs> <Right>. Timmy? <laughs> you really prom- Pinky swear. I fucking pinky sweared with you. You better not fucking tell anybody. Right. So they fired the Dimension Tide at this hotel and it sucks up. It destroys the building. They all fucking leave. Now, they leave and you can still see the fucking... Hole! Like, the black hole is still basically there. Okay, so they leave a black hole that they have created unattended. They're like, I'm sure it'll just dissipate after a few hours. Timmy comes back, and uh, a a dragonfly, uh, a giant dragonfly, comes out of it, probably from another dimension, and lays an egg, and then Timmy miraculously finds it, and as you do, uh, keeps it. Yeah. You know. That actually is one of the few bits of logic that you know, at least kid logic, you right. know, shit. This I is found something egg. neat, I'm going to keep it, yeah. you know. Now that's something He's that, doing his job as a kid. Yeah, in a monster movie. Yeah. That's like, exactly, you're a kid, in a monster movie, <laughs> right. something weird, let's take it home. That's, right, that's, exactly. That's, that's that's the logic of how these movies go. I can I can get on board with that. Right. Totally. He, uh, you know, he takes it to, he, like, he then promptly moves to downtown Tokyo. Yeah, they just... Because, like, his, like the, his dad gets a new job or something. The kid all of a sudden realizes that he doesn't want a monster egg. And he appropriately, in classic, like, horror movie, stupid kid fashion, just goes to the sewer system and just rolls the egg down into it. And, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And, uh... Then I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep for, I think, 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, we should mention that, uh, before we move on, that Junko has... Oh, right. Yeah. Junko uh, is back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, Godzilla versus Mothra. Right. Yeah, she, she, the, the actress is back as a scientist who seems to basically be yes, the same and, and character. The, yeah, and the guy... Okay, so the long-haired dude... Dr. Wily in training, or like yeah. junior Batman villain in training. When he's first taken to the lab, he sees Junko, and of course now she's in her 60s. And he's like, oh, Miss Makibara, or whatever. I remember you from, you were my high school uh, physics teacher in fourth grade. That, that's the exact thing that the guy says. So I guess they're in high school by fourth grade is the only yeah. thing I can take. Well, remember from that. it's the year two thousand in yeah. an alternative history of Japan. Yeah. So, okay. So know. first grade is grade school, second grade is middle school, and then you're already into high school, third grade or fourth yeah. grade. That's fine. No it's problem. All the radiation. But <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, Junko is back. She's not playing Junko anymore. She's playing basically the same character 
that the the she's basically playing the major's character, just a scientist. Like right. they seem to have Godzilla killed somebody I know. I'm taking vengeance. Right. So they're basically the same character, just wearing. One's wearing a military uniform and the other one's wearing a lab coat. They're not, you know, oh, I think we should do things this way or I think we should do things that way. It's just like, no, we have the exact same goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not, so, yeah, the Millennium Series started to bring back people from the show's movies. Yeah. So this is this is sort of the first example of that. Um, so, yes, the kid dumps the thing in the sewers uh, we then have sort of a few scenes later. We have kind of a lazy horror movie uh, homage where a guy and his girlfriend are out on a date and, and they get engage, ice cream. Or engage in drinking alcohol. Yeah, which uh, would be uh, bad if this was America. Uh, you know, right. where you're not allowed to drink outside. But uh, that, this is actually for me when the movie actually gets interesting. But that's a full thirty-one minutes into right. the movie. It's thirty-one minutes before a guy gets fucking killed <laughs> by uh, you know stage one you know brute uh, Megagirus, right? You know, and that's just like the most satisfying moment because it actually feels like they took time and effort to make this actually scary and yeah. filled with blood. Well, yeah, that scene isn't bafflingly understated like the all the technology uh, with, with, involving the black hole gun. But the uh, just to make it clear, the Megaguirus are the larvae, the little the little grubs basically yeah. that Rodan was eating in the film Rodan. So there is that link there. Yeah. Um. So there is much like they brought back Mogera. From the Mysterians from 1956, sorry, 59, 58. Um, the, that they're they're bringing some element from the from the show series back for this one, but that's it. It's it's never a flying monster. It's yeah. always just like and still of, those were pretty terrifying in Rodan because they're sort of messed up looking. They're yeah. disproportionate and boxy and kind of like and they keep a, they yeah, did a good job of like not showing them for a good. Wow! Make so. no mistake, the the, the Megaguirus execution in Rodan is infinitely more effective than the execution in the film from two thousand. Yeah, the movie from nineteen fifty six is way way scarier. Um, but yeah, that's where they come from, and they're back. Basically, what happens is the 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 egg that the kid drops in the sewers goes to the bottom of the sewers and starts to divide, or like little cells start to detach from it, and those cells become. The sort of the, the little larval stage, which are not little. I mean, there's, oh, they're larger than a full-grown man. But basically, they start uh, wreaking havoc on the city. They start killing people randomly. This is when I fell asleep. When I woke up, uh, the city had been flooded, and they were evacuating it, and they were also trying to get Godzilla to go to this island where they were going to test out the dimensional tide. Yeah. So this is... How much did I miss? Is that about 30 well, minutes? Well, this is another case of, like, too many, again, too many elements <laughs> at once. This is not... This is a fat film, and not, like, the good type of happy Buddha fat. This is, like, bad, bloated, can't walk... You know, surgery is necessary. Sydney like, Green Street levels. <laughs> yes. Right. But even Sydney Green Street was more articulate <laughs> and dashing than anything right. in this film. Okay. All right. Sydney Green this Street is, could bring it. This is more like Pearl from Blade <laughs> One. <laughs> so this is just. <laughs> so this is just like 
So several things happen at once. They're apparently many Megagirus, and they have this kind of, like, ant-like, where there's, like, one big one that's, like, weak, and apparently at some point it fights Godzilla, and we kind of, we see it's, like, bloated, one of the bloated corpses of it, but apparently the little ones get energy... Well, they siphon the energy off yeah. in, during the island attack on Godzilla, and then they bring it back. And then they bring it back and like yeah. they feed it to the to the queen. Yeah, and yeah. there's another thing with like a gun with a tracer on it, but that's oh yeah, that's like filler. Okay, it, okay, it seems like yes, that scene filler. was pretty badass, just because uh, Kiriko actually surfs on Godzilla, like she the uh, her her ship called known as the Griffin uh, is hovering over the sea. And she happens to bullseye the spot where Godzilla is, and Godzilla emerges from the ocean, and she grabs onto one of his spikes, so she's actually on his back, yeah. and she shoots a tracer into into his back. That was neat. That is the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it was I like, neat, I like, like I how it that. works into the story. Is oh, like, it's useless. It's kind of like the pod it racing may, scene in episode one. It, it it's makes like zero this difference. Is fun, but it's it's right. like that. That that's yeah. it. It's yeah. total filler. Uh, I will say that Godzilla is underwater a few times during this sequence. You see the full CG Godzilla, and it's not as disgraceful as it was in, in uh, Godzilla 2000. Uh, it would be good CG for, like, a PlayStation 1 cutscene from 1996, which is, I think, the best compliment I can pay it. Uh, I mean, it's still... To have it in a, in a film in, in 2000 is, you know, that's unacceptable. Yeah. But, you know, they were trying. Yeah. There's they're getting there, but it just ah. Uh. So the plot thickens because the Megagaris at the same time have flooded half of Tokyo, which is no longer the capital. Yeah, but Tokyo's it's still... just just flooded, right? Yeah. They just or, they, ha- yeah, they just good... cut back to Tokyo yeah. and it's flooded. Yeah. And by the way, they some mysterious thing, and then they then actually like the people finally find the Megagaris. It's like people have been dying, but they don't know what's causing it, and then they see a whole shitload of them, and they are susceptible to bullet fire, they're not completely invincible, blah, 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 blah. Right. We could go on about this for, you know, a good day or two, <laughs> nonstop, and still not get to, like, the end of this movie. They go, they, they lure Godzilla to this island, somehow. I think they just follow the tracking device, so they know that Godzilla's on this island, or something. I, I forget why he comes to the island, but, and then the Megagirus, like, the, the, the dragonfly form of the Megagirus, which, proportionately, they are the size of a dragonfly to Godzilla. So they're the size of a man, but when they fly up to Godzilla, they're, they're like insects. Yeah. And there's thousands of them. So basically, they have chosen this as their first test of the Dimension Tide. Mm-hmm. They fired the Dimension Tide. It goes down, which... Um, it goes down, and you, like, it misses. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes an hour for it to reload. Yeah. And uh, Godzilla kills all the Megagirus with his fire breath and then leaves. Yeah. But apparently, like, uh, the few of them that left earlier, before the the gun went off, take Godzilla's energy or DNA or, you know, magic fart juice. Yeah. And upload that juice into... You know the Queen Megagirus, they all die, and then the Megagirus comes into its full form, uh, and yeah. it says, "Behold, I am Death, Destroyer." Of- oh no, wait, no, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's Vishnu. Uh, the point is, <laughs> the point is, Megagirus. That that attack when Megagirus yeah. first comes out of the thing is pretty cool. Yeah, 
is flying around the flooded downtown Tokyo and just like blowing up buildings from the. It's like cutting the buildings with its wings. Yeah. Making them explode, which is preposterous, but pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and there again, something from Rodan, you know, like just like flying over the buildings that makes them explode because right. they're going like so fast. Yeah. I like mean, that. not to bring science into this, but I think, you know, the vacuum probably would be strong enough. Well, Rodan was flying at supersonic speeds. Yeah. So I think. And the fact that people's heads aren't exploding at the same time. That would be amazing. Yeah. That Obviously be. that needs to happen. <laughs> um, Hint, hint. <laughs> Although it is fast enough to make people's toupees blow off, like yeah. it does in Final Wars in New York, <laughs> when Rodan attacks New York and the oh, yeah. toupee flies off the guy's head. And it's like, whip! Yeah. It's like a three-stage Well, remember, it, according to the Japanese, uh, Rudy Giuliani was never mayor of New York, so there are still pimps and cops. I, I and guess. Open. It's like a scene out of Taxi Driver. Yeah. We're getting way <laughs> ahead of ourselves. Um, and God, don't we want to put this behind us. Uh, <laughs> release me. Anyway... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah so godzilla makes his way to tokyo yeah. he finds his way because somehow yeah. uh they fight uh he, he, godzilla makes his way to this island that's sort of by tokyo bay um that contains the shopping complex known as aqua city which features the five-story arcade joyopolis which i have been to uh i'm sorry that's just name dropping but uh, I went to Japan several years ago. Anyways, the point is that this is the the last stand, or this is the, the confrontation. While they are reloading, because, it, again, it takes an hour for the Dimension Tide to reload. And While that happens, Megaguirus and Godzilla meet up uh, on this, this small island off the coast of Tokyo. And the fight has its upsides. There's a little bit, there's a lot more melee action yeah. than beam action. You yeah, know, which was lacking. This is a very personal fight. I yeah. like this. I like the fight a lot. So if only it just if it didn't take so long to get to this point, right? It would have been better. Um, the so they they have a you know quite like ingenious uh, a well staged fight. Let's yeah. put it that way. It's well staged. You know the way Megaguirus drops buildings on Godzilla. The way Godzilla attacks. Mega Gear yeah, you know. Again, the, the, they sort of bring that camp factor back into yeah. it that was really prevalent in the uh, in the seventies. Yeah, like specifically that scene where Mega Gear knocks Godzilla down and is just sort of like standing over him, and there's that superstructure that has that diamond shape, yeah. whatever attachment, and Mega Gear is like ah, and it's then just like, like taps on it, and it falls, it, it falls out of Godzilla's it, face, and he's just like ha ha, you know, like, like a la Home Alone, too. right? Exactly, you know? exactly, like Godzilla. <laughs> has become Daniel Stern from Home Alone 2 at this point. Um, it is, uh, the, so the fight's okay. Yeah. It's a little uneven tonally. I do like the fact that Godzilla at one point uses his spikes to cut off one of Megaguirus's arms. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I dig that. That's cool. Um, but then he just uses his fire breath. Yeah. And, well, there is the, the body slam. Which should we talk about uh, that? I, I, do we have to? Godzilla I guess we jumps. Have to. Yeah, Godzilla jumps like ten miles into the air at one point. Because uh, apparently like, he's become Gorosaurus. He can yeah, just do stuff he like can, that. Yeah, so he kind of gets Megaguirus down for the count, and then he does. The camera just cuts to cuts to like an upward position, and then Godzilla just jumps up, and it looks like proportionately it would have to be at least. 
three miles of vertical jump up in the air and then comes down and hits Megagurus. He lets the bodies hit the floor, as it were. Um, and yeah, I don't know if they needed that part. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really. It sort of doesn't really gel that well with the because there's sort of a cool. I don't want to use the word realism, but like there's a groundedness to the rest of the fight, and that's just straight up luchador yeah. stuff. <laughs> but then they they figure out the apparently the black hole gun in space, like you know. They have to raise the stakes, so it's now falling. So they now right. have to. Why? Know, like, why does it fall? What happens to the black hole? I don't hole remember. It just, does it just break? Yeah, I guess it just broke. Does, and like, then, a meteor hit it or something? I don't know. Maybe Megagiras or Godzilla hit it. I, I really no, couldn't No, I really don't think it just, it just starts disintegrating because it's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts disintegrating. Like, can, can we discuss the fact that the Japanese Defense Force has mounted a gun capable of firing a black hole on a satellite <laughs> and how irresponsible and aimed it at earth i mean it makes sense in the they, they they at least add a little logic to it by saying that well this way we can attack godzilla anywhere that part makes sense that that at least has some logic to it how responsible they are with that technology well not very yeah no, but then again, these whole movies seem to be about the negligence of mankind, so I guess it fits into the rest of the series <laughs> in that respect. Alright, so Godzilla, like, eventually, like, catches Megagirus' stinger in his mouth and breaks it with his teeth. That was a really kind of cool moment and um, very climactic. And then blasts him with his fire breath. So Megagirus is explodes so he's dead then godzilla makes his way to downtown tokyo and he starts attacking the science center or whatever and it is revealed that the prime minister has kept from everybody that the science center is actually a nuclear power plant that has been keeping tokyo going for all these years they haven't been relying on plasma energy or wind power or solar power or any of that shit they have a good old-fashioned nuclear power plant in the middle of tokyo and now godzilla is destroying it i guess or like yeah he senses it and and so that guy's sort of lies are coming home to to roost and so uh Kuriko is piloting the Griffin, and basically the Dimension Tide is falling out of orbit. It's 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 got thirty seconds till it explodes, and so they've got like twenty seconds to fire it. So she pilots the Griffin because it can't lock onto Godzilla because it's f- flying too fast or something. Even though he's like not moving at all, he's, mm-hmm. his position is definitely locked. So she pilots the Griffin so that the Dimension Tide can lock onto her ship, mm-hmm. and then ejects. Just as the Dimension Tide fires the final uh, black hole projectile, then it explodes. And then she ejects from the Griffin as it crashes into Godzilla and explodes. And then the black hole projectile comes down on Godzilla and he fires his breath up at it and it explodes. But the explosion, like, encompasses, like, half of Tokyo or whatever. And when the smoke clears... Uh, Godzilla's gone. Yeah. Now, what I've just described to you sounds really cool, but in the movie, somehow, it plays out very blandly. I don't know. 
It's got it's got the makings of like the greatest action sequence ever. But like watching it, you're just like, oh, this is very workaday, very you know, very standard. You know, mm-hmm. it's not very exciting. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like Godzilla doesn't die in Godzilla 2000, but the way the, everything works, the way the characters work, it all it's like this is very exciting. This is moving forward. The right. plot thickens, and you know the characters are interesting. And oh, look at this, look at that, look at that, and, and it's just like this is engaging. This has just become standard cut and paste, autopilot. We can just we can get away with anything because it's it right. is what it is. It's Godzilla, so. It, I, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's. Is it possible things have gotten too ludicrous, and that your brain just can't even comprehend what is happening? That coupled with the sort of lazy visual effects, I mean, you just kind of just sign off at some point. Well, I mean, you can take a complex plot and make it digestible, like Face Off. You know, some people argue whether it's a really good movie or a really good bad movie or what have you, but it is a complex plot about faces and identities changing, and, you know, you'd think, oh, I'd get everybody mixed up, but no, you follow the plot completely. It's just like, this is smooth, uh, interesting, and engaging. But this, this movie, is just, we're going to add a lot of elements. You might not, I mean, you choke trying to follow what's going on. It's, like, Godzilla defeating Megaguirus is enough. Yeah. He could have just walked into the water like he always does, and that's fine. Also, Godzilla... You know, this could have been a standalone Godzilla movie just like Godzilla versus the Dimension Tide gun. Yeah. You know? You don't need both. <laughs> and having them both in there is just like... This is so crazily overpacked with, like... You know... And everything's just so bland. It's just like... Oh. And, and then you get a movie, like, as we mentioned before, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, where there's barely any Godzilla, and yet you don't feel cheated at all. It is one of the most satisfying movie experiences, at least we can enjoy, um, and because the amount of character development, the amount of, you know, action, yeah. it's just right, right, you know? And yeah, there are those cheesy moments it has, but overall... It's an enjoyable experience. Or like Godzilla vs. Hedorah, where you throw everything visually, creatively at the wall, but the actual story mm. is very simple. Yeah. Is very straightforward, you know, but it's just like on the, the, the way the story is told is insane and like fascinating, but like the story itself is, is, is appropriate, you know. Yes. Uh, they don't... I mean, it does feel like there's two or three movies worth of stuff going on here. Yeah. And and oddly enough, it's also very dispassionate. Uh, now, now, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a... Now, it's a paradox. The good thing is, is that unlike Hedora, the director was not fired. So... He could learn from his mistakes. Yeah, he could learn from it. And that's what, I mean, many budding directors do make bad movies first. Or they start out good, then they make a few bad ones, then they come out on top again. You know, they just need to get back into the groove of things. Kurosawa's first film was great. Like, the three after that are mediocre, and a couple are barely watchable. Terrible, terrible garbage directed by Akira Kurosawa. But he comes back. He comes back. Because he learns. That's that's what you do. It's it's, it's just like writers, you know? Like, Ray Bradbury used to write Pulp. All right? You know? But he kept working at it. 
right. and he got he became what he became before he died. He was right. a really good writer. Stephen King used to write short stories for lads mags, as they're referred to in London, you know. And now he's writing Doctor Sleep, which I still haven't read, but I do own. Uh-huh. The point is, I own it. <laughs> okay, I know it's going to be good once I read it. This movie, on the other hand, just just watch Godzilla against Mechagodzilla yeah. instead. It's the same movie, only better. Yeah, I I, I was fortunate enough to um, I first saw this movie with my friend Nick Young uh, in the mid two thousands because he was the only person at school I know who like could satisfy my Godzilla craving. Because you know he, he was kind of like the the uh, the dealer, and I was the addict, and he was like, oh yeah, I, I got some movies. So I I don't remember not liking this movie, but it never had a big impact on me. Whereas when we watched Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, same director, we, we it was just like something we could watch several times together. Right. You know, th- this is like not. It's like a real movie. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, when the sequel to that, Tokyo SOS, came out, you know, which we'll, you know, get to later, um, you know, still, an enjoyable experience. So, th- these were movies that we could watch more than once. Godzilla against Megagiris, it kind of felt like, well, we've seen it. Um, I, I, again, I don't remember, like, not liking it, but it, it's clear that re-watching it, I forgot most of the plot, except for Black Hole Gun, Giant Dragonfly, Godzilla. Right. I remember first seeing it and like when they got to the stuff with the dimension tide just being like oh my god this is gonna be the greatest godzilla movie ever like at last they're finally they finally get it that they can't kill him you know and and just being so excited and then just see what they did with it and just being like it just turned back into a standard you know thing and it's just you know you had greatness there yeah um, and you let it slip out of your fingers. So anyways, uh, that's, that's Godzilla vs. Megagirus. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. Uh, I don't know. It's hard, yeah. I don't think there is anything more to say. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I guess the only thing we could suggest is that you guys watch it yourselves and come to your own conclusions. On Crackle. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I saw it. Uh, yeah, you know, for a mere, you know, for, at, at the mere cost of like eighteen Netflix commercials, you can. <laughs> oh Jesus! Can we talk about Crackle for a second? Okay, Crackle. I understand that you're like the ugly stepchild of Hulu, which itself has been around for nearly a decade and has yet to turn a profit. Uh, I understand that you're going to put in commercials every seven and a half minutes. That's fine. But you need to have more than one commercial, one 30-second commercial that is played uh, three times every commercial break. I understand the final season of Mad Men starts in two weeks. Okay, I get it. But I've seen that ad during the course of watching Godzilla vs. Megaguirus on Crackle. I saw that ad 40 times. It's not necessary. Shit is not necessary. I had to turn off my speakers and look into the corner of the room at one point because I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Crackle, get more than one fucking commercial. More like get more than one thirty second commercial. You play three times every seven minutes. Yeah, it's I'm, disgraceful. Hulu makes it's it embarrassing. Up. <laughs> 
Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not going to watch Mad Men. You're not going to make me do it. Uh, anyway, so anyone who's ever watched Crackle in the last month knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, we want to give a quick shout out to, you know, Pod War Hour super fan superstar Emerson Green for once again creating another fantastic meme featuring one of Nate's quotes. Uh, you yes, know, that was, you know, I worked hard on in, in, in getting that into the show. So thank you again for appreciating that as much as I did. So someone's paying attention. Yes, that much is clear. That, that's good. Also, a uh, big shout-out to Mr. Uh, Tracer Anthony for uh, his contribution to our Facebook page and uh, Mike Kelly's Twitter page. Thank you. That was a beautiful poster. I want to believe. I want to believe, too. I want to believe that after Megagirus, it'll all get better. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mr. Anthony has made a, uh, a parody of the X-Files poster that sort of shows the UFO out of focus in the background with the power lines and the pine trees but it's it's godzilla it's great and as i said on the site i really appreciate that not only as a g fan but as one of the five people who saw the x the second x files film theatrically in the united states during its run fucking underrated movie by the way uh Mulder and scully get together finally Spoiler alert, all right? If you didn't want that spoiled, you should have seen the fucking movie with me and the other four people that were in the theater. Uh, Anyways, it failed. It was a bomb. Um, As you may have surmised, we are on Facebook at the Godzilla Pod War Hour. We are on Twitter uh, at Michael Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. Um, Tumblr is going strong at this point. Rebecca Rosen. Terror of Mechagodzilla co-host is doing a bang-up job. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, I don't know. What else? What else is there to say? Only that GMK is, is coming up next week. And uh, it's one of my favorite from the Millennium Series, without question. Amazing stuff. From a great director, by the way. I don't know. What else to say? I guess we'll just see you next week. See you next week. Um... Yeah. Good fight. Good night. Happy hunting.